You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. We've got a lot of things to bounce around and talk about today. I've had some discussions uh, on Twitter, and I'm going to kind of take some of those onto the show and discuss those here. Uh, going to also dig into the Cubs, hopefully, today. That's, that's at the back end. But I think we do have to start off with Indians-related news that I kind of passed over, uh, need to give some time to, and that is that the 2020 Sporting News comeback, AL Comeback Player of the Year was Carlos Carrasco. Uh, it, was announced, it was announced almost a week ago. Uh, probably should have been on it a bit quicker to mention it. But, you know, it's, it is, uh, it's not the big time awards, but with everything that Carlos has done, uh, I mean, he could be traded this offseason. We'll see. It would be a bit of a blow with what he has meant to the organization over the years, being kind of one of the pillars of the Indians multiple times signing uh, well under market contracts to stay in Cleveland. The other winners of this award were Carlos Carrasco last year, Cliff Lee in 2008, and Andre Thornton in 1982. So that's a back-to-back for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Earlier this week, I was talking with uh, Jason Burke at ByJasonB. He and I actually used to work together at Scout. He ran the uh, Giants site before it got shut down. Right as Scout was kind of fully expanding, he started out on the Oakland site. And I think I actually recommended him to be the Locked On uh, A's guy, and he's a a really great guy. We were trying to talk because he wants the A's to go all in this year, uh, that there are reasons why they could spend money, and he and I were discussing what a Francisco Lindor trade would look like. And, you know, as we were discussing it, some pieces were thrown around back and forth, and I've talked about in the past uh, how I thought Lindor to the A's would make sense. It was one of the teams I thought would make a lot of sense last offseason. Uh, and it is kind of the disconnect with things. Like talking with him, we're trying to figure out a trade, and you know, uh, the A's are also losing a bunch of relievers. So if we traded them hand as well, it's like I was talking about uh, Nick Allen and Dalton Jeffries, and he was like, "Well, do you think they would take Piscotty to to balance money?" Piscotty right now is probably a negative value uh, in terms of baseball after two subpar seasons and being owed about. 13 million total over the next two. Uh, it was hard because it was one of those things where uh, he, there were a lot of pieces he really didn't want to trade off. And knowing the Indians, I, I think if you're going to trade two players, I mean, Clevenger netted them six players. Uh, Bauer netted them five, right? Is that correct? They're going to want probably six players again. Uh, and I had, even if the Indians took the problem though, it's like if you go over to the the uh, the value site, which is a far from an exact science, but we're referencing it a few times today. Uh, Piscotti's negative value was equal to uh, Dalton Jeffries and Nick Allen, and then that's not even counting the positive value of Lindor and Han. So it does make it hard to figure out and work a trade. It's like the even if you take out Piscotti and you're looking at those two pieces to make it even get close, you need Mark Kaneha and another piece uh, in the valuations. So Oakland right now actually may... Last year I thought they would be a good trade partner. Um, you know, there's some talk that they're going to try to bring back Tommy Listella at second base. 
Maybe they tried to bring back uh, Robbie Grossman in left field. They don't have a lot of... Um, other than that, most of the core is in place. They don't have a whole ton of needs, but they also don't ha don't have a lot of depth, and they don't have a lot of minor league help that's uh, immediate. You're hoping that A.J. Puck, sooner rather than later, is going to be a guy who's part of your bullpen. Sheldon, uh, no, uh, new, it's... Uh, I know it's not how it's pronounced or how it looks, but uh, Sheldon N. will say the former Nebraska infielder who came over from the Washington Nationals uh, in the Doolittle trade, right? Uh, you know, they, they have those guys who can help, but that's not a lot of starters, and a lot of their upper prospects aren't quite where one would hope or expect them to be. So it makes Oakland a, a difficult team to figure that trade with because they're, you know, they're top of their pitching staff is solid uh, but that's not the Indians big needs and they just a year ago I thought they probably made a little bit more sense than they do now just as players are hitting not necessarily hitting free agency but having less years of control and with the A's themselves uh, just not having the parts and pieces that really their minor leagues have gotten very weak they're just not as interesting as an outside observer when you look at them that uh, has a lot of famous names as you go through, guys like Grant Holmes and James Caprillion. And while that should help, there's also a degree of why why are pitchers failing? Uh, when you go and you look at their pitching staff, Sean Maneha, uh trade from Kansas City. Uh, he did a lot of, you know, who's developing in the Kansas City minors. Jesus Luzardo, trade from Washington, did a lot of developing there. Frankie Montas, trade with the Los Angeles Dodgers, was, I believe all of those guys were at least high A or double A when acquired. Chris Bassett is, uh, actually was a trade with the White Sox, but I feel like you count Oakland for most of his development. Uh, University of Akron, great. But why is it that, you know, all these other prospects, I mean, Logan Shore I thought was about as safe an arm as they get. That didn't work out for them. A.J. Puck, uh, Dalton Jeffries, uh, Grant Holmes. Uh, what's going on? Why are guys not quite coming up as expected? And that sometimes makes teams get leery. Like, what's going on there? So, I, you know, I had the fun back and forth with Jason. I just I don't see a great natural trade because I can't see Oakland. You know, if they trade someone like Mark Kaneha, how do they replace him? They don't have anyone who I think you feel ready to step in. Um, I'm sure they would love to unload Chris Davis and uh, Piscotti this offseason to maybe even free up more money to, to play around with. And especially if Marcus Simeon leaves, they're going to need a shortstop. I just don't know if there's a great match there. So I thought I'd talk about that. Uh, and then the other question I got based on my preview podcast, well, one, uh, I had a Virginia fan point out to me, hey, uh, you're always bashing them. Remember that uh, Chris Taylor is a Virginia player, and I'm like, I had forgotten about that. That is very fair, and that was from uh, at Aaron Bachman. And he's right. Uh, Taylor is one of the more successful players uh, in the university uh, uh, history in terms of the major leagues. And then uh, at uh, D.B. Sice, who often helps me with uh, my pronunciations, asked, like, well, what would... Uh, trade with the Dodgers look like and specifically Taylor and he talked about well what about you know Taylor Seager plus what mortgage you lend or and I'm like well the big problem is that Taylor and Seager are both free agents and after the 2021 season just like Lindor so he's like okay what about just Taylor now if you go back around you're probably going well 
the Dodgers have Corey Seager. They don't need a shortstop. This is true. Uh, Seager, you can still make the case, would be a strong third baseman. And if you are the Dodgers, you could uh, easily slot him to third, move Lindor to shortstop, and then have Gavin Lux at second. And why would you consider this? Well, Justin Turner is a free agent. If he did come back, um, you know, first baseman, if they keep the DH, DH would make sense as well. And we'll get into that as I I discuss, uh, you know, and the Dodgers also have Max Muncie to consider up the middle as well. They're they're an interesting team, a lot of pieces, a lot of parts, but that is, that depth is what makes them a team that does make sense. So I'm going to take that question, talk about the Dodgers, in a new light. I know I skimmed over them before because it's not the biggest need, but there is a way that can make sense. And when I get listener mail, I get a question, I'm going to address it. So, and I will address it in a moment. But first, let's talk about our sponsors today, rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about Rock Auto many times. They've been our sponsor all season, before the season, into the off season, during the season. Rock Auto has supported us. So go support them. And you're doing yourself a favor when you go to rockauto.com. Make sure when you go there and you do order a piece in the How'd You Hear About Us, Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MOME, just some form of Locked On so you know that we sent you there. And why are you doing yourself a favor when you go there? Because it's you can go and make sure you are getting a good deal on your pieces and parts for your car. Even if you're a person like myself and you know nothing about cars, you can go to Rock Auto, you can find the parts, you can compare, you can shop, and you're going to see that because they're able to cut out some of those middleman costs, they're able to cut out... Uh, various things that savings they pass on to you the consumer so rockauto.com is a fantastic one to keep in your phone in your back pocket and put it to work for you and when you do put it to work make sure to put locked on locked on indians locked on mlb some form of locked on so they know we sent you to them our other fantastic sponsors ohio versus everyone uh, if you've heard me doing the ad reads which all of you listeners likely have I've always pointed out that uh, the national media take versus the local media take is always very interesting. And when I was recording for Monday's show, I made the joke about, hey, get ready for the national media to uh, come down hard on Baker Mayfield and you know label him as maybe his time is coming to an end. And that's exactly what happened. And if you were an Ohio fan, you knew that was going to happen. Uh, you just knew that people were waiting with pitchforks to come after the, the young quarterback of the Browns. You're not going to get that type of reactionary coverage in Ohio versus everyone. You're going to get well-rationed, well-thought-out pieces from people who know the Browns and care about the Browns, people who have a rooting interest and are not just writing a piece because it was what was assigned to them. They're writing a piece because they love the team and they have that knowledge and history of the team. So go to Ohio vs. Everyone. That's OhioVSEveryone.com today to read articles that aren't just something that someone was assigned to write, but something that people wanted to write. There's a big difference in those things, in my opinion. Okay, Dodgers-Indians-Lindor trade. Uh, I know people are going to be like, you're only talking Lindor trade, but it's what I keep getting questions about, okay? So that is, I I have to be fair. I have to do such things. Uh, And it's going to be the hot topic. There's no way around it. This is going to be an important offseason because of potential trades, and it's going to be an interesting offseason because of potential trades. So, the Dodgers. If we're looking at Taylor, uh, I did go over and check out the trade simulator site. It is far from an exact science. Uh, I think right now they have Lindor rated too high. Uh, they, you know, they had a really well-reasoned article 
talking about some things where some of his performances, it does make him look like he peaked two years ago. That some of the uh, the advanced metrics show a guy that like he had his high point in uh, 2018 and 2019 and 2020 he had similar uh, profiles for batted ball, which is interesting. I mean, he is turning 27. He should be hitting peak, but maybe he already peaked. We'll see. Uh, but part of the valuation is also like that he's a star, so he brings additional money, which shot him up a few millions. I I don't always necessarily love that. I don't think whether or not a player is a star and brings in ad revenue is really something that comes into any trade. Um, and then, you know, it was also they had a piece kind of talking about what they got right or wrong at the deadline. And I will give them this. Like, they do most of their trades. I think they, they said, like, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like all but two trades fell within their um, accepted range. Not even their overpay range, but their expected range. So that, that, I mean, gives some credibility in general when you see that. So nothing's perfect, but it's a fun site, and it's an interesting site, and it does provide you with some baselines. Again, the Dodgers are a team that uh, have tons of depth, but they could make Lindor work, Uh, especially if they don't win this World Series, which is now one-to-one. They're going to be more motivated to go out there and add top-shelf talent. And yes, Lindor's performance this year wasn't up to what Indians fans had hoped, and there are some possible reasons for concern in terms of has he peaked but he's still a marquee player he's still you know a top shelf defender and one of the best he's the he is the gold standard for shortstops right now in baseball so when you look that's why the Dodgers might want to acquire him the other thing with the Dodgers is that Dodgers bullpen is losing a lot of relievers this offseason and one of those pieces uh, Jake McGee, we talked about before, they got him off of waivers from Colorado. He was fantastic as a lefty out of that their pen. Uh, they could use another left-hander. They're losing um, multiple pieces. Like I think it's four relievers right now from that current bullpen. So this is another team where Hand and Lindor would make sense, and the Dodgers are definitely a team that could afford both those contracts. What I thought was really interesting on the other side of things when you're trying to put a trade together was the Max Muncie valuation is way down. Now Max Muncie is 30 years of age he is uh he's an odd player let's just put it that way uh 41st round pick in 2009 by the indians from keller high school in keller texas i was writing about indians picks in 2009 i was not writing about picks in the 40s yet uh, if you're curious the 2009 draft was trying to think if that was my second or first one covering but that is the Alex White Jason Kipnis uh, draft Austin Adams would make it to the bigs Corey Burns and Preston Gilmet, along with Joe Cologne uh, Merrill Kelly who had that fantastic comeback with Arizona after uh, going overseas and then unfortunately got hurt he was a 22nd rounder didn't sign uh, Tyler Sturdvent did make it to the majors from that class Chris Beck did not sign, but did eventually make it to the majors as a 35th rounder. And 48th rounder and 49th rounder, 49th rounder, Birch Smith, will get some games in the majors. And 48th rounder, uh, Vidal Nuno is still one of those <laughs> kind of great what-ifs uh, for no other reason than I'm just kind of mesmerized by a 48th round pick who the Indians signed and made it to the majors, but they had cut him. Uh, he would go on to you know have a total war of 3.8 appear in 155 games and he was productive in his small time in the minors with the Indians it was just an odd thing that he got released uh 
drafted in 2009. He goes to the minors that year, has 57, uh, what, 64 total innings between New York Penn and the Rookie League, and he's successful. He 2010 with Lake County, he's not great. I mean, they're, but it's also one of those things where you look at some of the numbers. It's like not great if you're just looking at ERA. Uh, gets cut, goes to the Yankees, and he is in the majors in 2013 with New York. And that starts what turns into a 155-game career. It's just interesting for me from that perspective. Uh, I mean, I'm always interested by any pick in the 40s who makes it to the majors. But Mac Munz, Max Muncy was the 41st-round pick, 9.6 war is better than I think the rest of the class combined outside of Kipnis. Uh, odd, interesting draft. We'll <laughs> just leave it at that. It, interesting draft uh, with a lot of players that, you know, they were trying to do some changes to approaches and find talent uh, in, in some different spots, but it was still, this was one of those super conservative drafts where they didn't even draft a high schooler until the 24th round and he did not sign. And who was the first high schooler who... I'm not even sure if this draft class has a high schooler who signed in the uh, the draft class. But it may not may not have signed a single high schooler in that draft class. That is unusual, uh, even for the Indians. Uh, they also mined Ohio a bit. This was before they were nervous about drafting from Ohio. That 24th rounder was from uh, Lakeside High School, or Danbury High School in Lakeside. That was... Michael uh, Hammon, uh, Hammonen, bad pronunciation city. They had a pair of players from Kent they drafted. Robert Sabo in the 38th round didn't sign, but Kyle Smith got 100,000 in the 20th round. He did sign. Uh, I know I'm way off topic, so let's let's pause and get back to the Dodgers trade. If you let me get into da- uh, drafts, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to be up to my ankles, then my knees, and my neck very quickly just because of my love of all things draft. But before I do, if you're curious about uh, H-A-M-A-N-N, the uh, prep player who they took, he would go to the University of Toledo, be a 16th round pick out of uh, Toledo by the Cubs, would get up to uh, low A with them, and Robert Sabo, who they drafted, uh, would go in the 44th round the next year to the San Diego Padres and play one year in the minors. And as for Kyle Smith, his time with the Indians was limited to only Mahoning Valley in 2009 and 2010. Some problems with control really cut him short and ended a player they liked. You know, you don't give someone 100000 if you don't think there's a possible future there. But I bring up Max Muncy because he's owed uh, a not insignificant amount of money and because he had a down year this year, didn't even hit 200, he, his trade value was only listed at 6.7. Uh, the contract is not onerous for him. It is something that the Indians could likely afford rather easily, and it makes it perfect as the type of player in a deal like this if the Indians are like to, to balance, but to also provide a, a potential bat for them. He, he is owed... 9 million in 2021, 13 million in 2022, and then has a 13 million dollar team option for 2023 with a 1.5 million dollar buyout. So it's a guaranteed 22 million. Uh, it is interesting his most similar player through age 29, Russell Brannion. After that, Scott Shebler, Adam Duvall, Jack Cust, Jason Lane, Brandon Moss, Steven Souza, Scott Hairston, Bubba Tra- uh, Trammell and Josh Willingham. This is like a list of all of my favorite players I've talked about at various times 
similarity scores. It's a lot of other favorites. I apparently have a type. Uh, but yeah, it, Russell Branding is his most similar player. And you can see why. He's got a 236 career batting average. He has twice batted below 200. The previous two years with the Dodgers, he had been batting closer to 250, so it's a pretty big drop this year. Uh, his on base was in, his slugging was way down as well. A 97 OPS plus is still uh, would have been better with the, than what the Indians got at first base. Uh, significantly cheaper than Carlos Santana was, and with Muncie, I mean, you could conceivably have him move and play other positions. He he's done that during his time with the Dodgers. Even this year, he split time at first, third, and second. So could also be a guy that you try to uh, maybe try as a second baseman for a time being, and you could let Josh Naylor play first or another player. But I, I would totally roll the dice for him. He's always been a guy that I've uh, wanted to get back to Cleveland after being originally drafted there. So when you look at that contract, yes, the numbers dipped. Yes, he was considered about average. But you're hoping that uh, it was just off-year, weird circumstance. Maybe once he rebounds. If he doesn't rebound, it's two years with the worst year being at $13 million. Uh, Chris Taylor, if you're keeping him in, it's a one-year rental, but his value is still at a 9.7. Another guy who you could play at many different spots. I, I don't know if you really want him playing shortstop all the time for you. Um, if you did acquire him, he, maybe he's in left field for you. Maybe he's in part of an outfield situation uh, or a platoon, but he would be productive. We know that. So what are the other pieces? We've got, we've got Muncy. We've got Taylor, who's a rental. There's three names that stood out prospect-wise for me. Uh, I've, Michael Bush was a player I was very high on. He was the player I took in my um, shadow draft of the Indians of 2019. Can control the zone, has surprising power for his size, not the biggest guy. Dodgers are trying him at second base after he's an outfielder in college. I believe that's going to work. I think it's going to be a successful transition. I think he could be... Um, the good version of Jason Kipnis, but maybe with a higher walk rate. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in Bush, and I, I he'd be one of the names that I'm asking for in a trade. I also think he should move quickly and be someone who could help the Indians sooner rather than later, and even if he has to go back to the outfield, the bat will play. Uh, Josiah Gray, it's odd to ask for one of their top prospects maybe to think in one of these deals. But when you consider their other guys who are the young players, or, you know, the Tony Goslins, the Dustin Mazes, the Will Smiths, the Gavin Luxes are off limits, then you have to look at a prospect like Gray. Gray is undersized. Gray is more of a two-pitch guy right now. I think he's probably going to be a reliever long-term. Uh, but I think he is a... I think there's also a chance that he's a better version of Tristan McKenzie. As a two-pitch guy, who can maybe work as a starter been a big fan of his dating back to his college days when he was at Lemoyne. Uh, you can find, well, you can't find it anymore because everything at uh, 24-7 got scrubbed, but I thought he was one of the, like, I, I rated him the best, not the best pick because, you know, I like some of the other picks that Cincinnati made that year, but I thought he was a, a better selection than the player they took, either the pick right before or the pick right after and gave, like, twice as much money to, uh, Richardson maybe starting pitcher uh, prep kid but it, Gray had is such a great athlete that's what you want to bet on the fastball is legit uh, he's got he's got the there's a good chance for a starter and a worst case an elite reliever there 
and a lot of what he does fits with what the Indians like. He's able to control the zone, etc. And maybe the, the surprising name on this, the name you may not know as much about, is Zach uh, McKinstry. He was a Central Michigan player uh, from Indiana originally, Midwest kid, and to the time in, in the minors and the majors and everything else, he has spent time at second, third, short, left, right, and center, along with DH. He's currently on the 40-man roster. He was a 33rd round pick in 2016, and he can play everywhere. He did not get an extended look with the Dodgers this year, but if you go back to 2019 when he was uh, spent some time between double and triple A, well, the extended time was mostly in Tulsa. 279 batting, 352 on base, 455 slugging, 12 home runs. Uh, over the course of his time in double and triple A, he had 19 home runs last year. Very productive at both stops. He's had good bat pips throughout the numbers, which is, again, a sign of positive quality contact. He's one of those sleeper types. Like, I look at him and I think, okay, worst case, you have a very good utility player. Uh, another guy who could probably is best served as a second baseman. Uh, I know that makes like three of them in this team. Well, Max Muncy is best served as a first baseman. He can handle second, but that's not his best position. Gives you three potential second basemen that we're talking about in a deal like this. And I just think as a utility player, one of those high ceiling types, he fits the Indians profile and could be someone that helps sooner rather than later. So that's what I would look look for. If I'm trading hand in Lindor, I'm asking for Muncy and seeing if I can get him. Uh, Taylor, I, I'm willing to pull back on him. Now, the overall trade value of this is 46.8 to the Indians, 44.9 to the Dodgers. So if you pull out Taylor, you're probably uh, unbalanced by this method. Uh, I think the Indians would want five pieces. Honestly, I think that's something they would ask for. And it's one of those things, like, if they don't want to move Taylor because he's a central piece and they don't want to move Gray, how do you come back to this deal uh, and try to figure out maybe something that works a bit better? Uh, that that would become the question. You're probably asking for Cody Hose, who was the other first-round pick, along with Michael Bush. And you're probably then looking for... Golly, you know, it's like maybe you try, I, DJ Peters is a guy I've talked about. I don't know if you mess with things enough to... It's like Keeper Ruiz is another big prospect, um, but his his he's more bat than defender, and we know how the Indians view uh, those types of players, so it kind of makes that uh, it, not an ideal situation either. And like I said, you're not going to get those elite young guys. Uh, you know, do you try to talk about uh, Gratriol? I don't know if he's the type of guy you really want to put all your eggs in one basket. So it could then, instead of being something like a five-player deal... If you take out Taylor and they're not willing to move Gray, you might be looking at like a six, seven player trade just to make up some of that value. So it's just some ideas. Uh, again, there's going to be a lot of Lindor trade talk. And when people ask about, hey, what about this team? That's when I then spend extra time digging deep. Didn't get to the Cubs. And this one ran super long because I got draft distracted. And uh, I will always get draft distracted. So uh, you guys can't ask me questions. You're going to allow me to fall down those wormholes or all of these podcasts are going to turn into like 50-minute deep dives on every single draft class in Indians history. And I think there's about four of you who might actually enjoy that. I've been Chef Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians Podcast. Another Lindor special. I'm sorry to those who are tired of these Lindor-focused ones, but that is where the questions lie, and that is what people ask about, and that is what we are going to talk about. Uh, tomorrow, Talking Cubs. We will finally get there. I've been promising it for a week. It's going to happen tomorrow. 
As always, thank all of you. Rating and reviewing is hugely important to our show. Listening, downloading, uh, downloading and playing, even if you're going to end up not being able to listen, is still an awesome thing. If everyone just downloads every single show, that really helps our numbers out. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft, and that's where you can ask questions that will appear on this very show. And as always, go Tribe.